Hello, welcome back to Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano, and welcome back to part two of our coverage of Captain Marvel 32. I'd like to apologize for this episode being an extra week late than it should have been. I was planning on having it out last week, but we did have some technical issues with the uh, recording. Luckily, both Brian and I did have recordings of our own sides of the conversation. Normally, when I'm doing the podcast, when I'm doing over Skype, I have my recorder that tapes everything. But that recording wasn't very good, so Brian sent me the copy he had of his half, and I merged it with the one I had of mine. However, that is the first time I have done that. I don't think I did it 100%. I think I was like a half second or so off when I merged them. So there are a few times when I know I wasn't speaking over Brian, but in the recording, I'm talking over him or he's talking over me. I cut as many of them as I could out, but I know one or two of them are still in there because otherwise the conversations didn't work or there was just, I would have to end up cutting too much of a conversation because it wouldn't make sense without it. So my apologies for that. Hope it's still an enjoyable episode. Anyway. In just a minute or two, we're going to get to the rest of the discussion that Brian Zeno and myself had regarding this issue. First of all, just so you know, we're going to play the synopsis, and we're actually going to replay the synopsis for the part we covered last time, just to make sure it's fresh in everyone's minds, and then I'm going to do the synopsis for this half, we're going to have a promo, and then we're going to get on with the actual episode. Captain Marvel 32, Thanos, the Insane God. Written by Jim Starlin, with an assist by Mike Friedrich. Penciled by Jim Starlin. Inked by Dan Green. Colored by Jim Starlin. Letter by Dave Hunt. Edited by Roy Thomas. Cover by Jim Starlin (laughs) and Klaus Janssen. Cover dated May 1974. Original sale date, February 12th, 1974. And cover price was 25 cents. Captain Marvel. Iron Man, Mentor, Eros, Drax, and Moondragon have just witnessed Thanos use the Cosmic Cube to abandon his physical form and become an actual god, Big G. They see him on the view screen, a face in the stars. Drax goes nuts and attempts to kill Thanos, which destroys the room they're in and injures Moondragon. Mentor takes her to medical care while the remaining three attempt to reach Isaac, the supercomputer that runs Titan, to find out if there's anything they can still do about Thanos. Their shortcut through the Eternity Tree backfires as Eros is taken out, leaving Marvell and Iron Man. On their way to Isaac, the two go over what had happened so far, attempting to both figure out if Thanos had shown any weaknesses, and also give Starlin a chance to do a recap for new readers. Annoyed they are still resisting him, Thanos creates demons out of the metal and concrete walls to deal with the two heroes. Despite them doing some spectacular damage to the demons, since they are not living beings, it barely slows them down, and soon only Marvel is left, while a robotic form appears behind him. Outside in space, Drax continues his attacks on Thanos, who, remember at this point, is just in a giant intangible face in the stars. To mess with his head, Thanos allows Drax to remember everything. He was once an Earthman named Arthur Douglas, driving home from an Elvis concert in Vegas along with his wife and daughter. Thanos was doing a scouting mission on Earth, and destroyed their car, just in case they saw him. Arthur and his wife died. His daughter, Heather, was taken in by Mentor, and became Moondragon. That isn't all Mentor did. Along with Cronus, they stopped Arthur's soul from reaching the afterlife, and put it into a body they formed from the ground, creating Drax the Destroyer. Any hope that Thanos had about this affecting Drax were dashed, 
as Drax's obsession with killing Thanos is still all-consuming. And now the synopsis for the part of the issue that we will be covering in this episode. Back on Earth, Luan lounges around Avengers Mansion, worried about Rick, while the Avengers head out into space themselves to deal with an alien invasion fleet sent by Thanos. On Titan, Captain Marvel is still facing off against Thanos' demons, when he is distracted by a new participant, a robotic figure in what appears to be a Hugh Hefner-esque Starfield robe. At first, Marvel believes this is a new threat, and, like all threats, debates with him on the term warrior, but soon realizes that this is Isaac, the supercomputer that runs Titan, taking on a holographic form. While Thanos is using Isaac, like Wikipedia, he's open source and open editing from all, and he helps Marvel realize that these creatures will not stop attacking him for as long as he exists. Taking a bit of a gamble, Marvel switches places with Rick Jones and the attacks stop. Rick takes the Cosmic Cube and has Isaac teleport him back to Avengers Mansion. That destination is no safer than Titan, as Thanos' disembodied form follows him there. Realizing their only hope is to make Thanos angry and hope he makes a mistake, Rick taunts him, angering the new god enough that he physically shows up in front of Rick. If you want to read this issue, of course you can always find a copy of the original, and it's also been reprinted several places. If you have access to comics from the UK, or you live in the UK, that would probably be the easiest way to have access to those, look for The Mighty World of Marvel, number 236. Also can find it by finding issues of The Life of Captain Marvel, number 4 and 5, or the trade paperback, The Life of Captain Marvel. Or the trade paperback, The Life and Death of Captain Marvel. Or, want a hardcover? How about Marvel Masterworks, Captain Marvel, Volume 3? If you want to go really cheap, well, they used to be cheap. I don't know if it's cheap now on the secondary market. We'll see. But Essential Captain Marvel, Volume 2. There's, of course, the Avengers vs. Thanos trade paperback. There's the German hardcover. Please. Someone from Germany. Someone who speaks German, even. I don't care. Send me an email with a voice message telling me how to pronounce this, because I feel really stupid trying every time, because I know I'm doing it wrong. Die Official Marvel Cosmic Samlung Hardcover Volume 24. You can also get the Guardians of the Galaxy Solo Classic Omnibus Hardcover, the Drax Guardian of the Galaxy Trade Paperback, Captain Marvel by Jim Starlin Trade Paperback, or if you want to go digital, you can buy it on Comixology.com or get a subscription to Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. The Fantastic Arts is your guide to the Fantastic Four from the beginning of the Marvel Age of Comics in 1961 onwards. Each week, Steve Lacey and Andy Leyland cover every issue, spin-off, guest appearance and cameo, and more. And in 2015, we begin our journey through the decade that tastes forgot, the 1970s. Join us as we take a look at... The departure of Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. The Kree Skrull War. The arrival of Marvel Team-Up. Bill Murray as the Human Torch. Creators including Roy Thomas, George Perez, Marv Wolfman, Jerry Conway, Rich Buckler and John Byrne. And of course, Marvel 2-in-1. All this and more at ffcast.libsyn.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. The Fantastic Cast. Insert catchy tagline here. Wait, what?
as I mentioned, yeah, we, we left this off on uh, page 14, which begins with Luann pining. Yes. And I think, I wish I could remember, I made some good joke the first go-round. Uh, take one of this of this longest podcast record ever, possibly. Yeah, there might be another. Uh, there might be another out there somewhere. But anyway, I remember making a good joke about like you know Luann pining, pine Luann pine. Well, but uh, those top four panels are basically it's a Calvin Klein ad. Yes, yes, egoist. Like you expect her to be throwing open the window, egoist, egoist. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you kind of split that up a little bit. It's like, that's Eagle's brand of perfume. Is that? Well, isn't it spelled like E-G-O-I-S-T-E? Yeah. Yeah, that's the, yeah. I thought You th- put a Blake in between Ego and East, and it's, that's Eagle's brand. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's, yes. Look, I'm, I'm here to conquer the universe and make you smell great. Right. I could do both. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to conquer the universe, and I'm going to smell fabulous while I do it, darling. I am the I am the best. Uh, uh, I am the most fabulous conqueror of all time. Take out on that last pa- that fourth panel. Take out the last little section of words that says, "And so we leave mm-hmm. her," and that's mm-hmm. almost like the weird voiceover you would expect to hear on one of those commercials. It is. It is true. It is very true. That that really. You're right. This this could be. Oh man, there's a YouTube video in that one. Perhaps. Perhaps if I find myself with the time and resources, I will attempt to, uh, to give you a little something that you can put on a related. Oh, uh, that'd be YouTube hilarious! Page. Yeah, much like, much unlike the silence of another kind back on Earth, but then that stillness is broken by Luann's sigh. She feels longing. <laughs> this is this is a little ridiculous, and it is it is a pointless row of panels you know yeah all you need at the end of that is instead of instead of and so we leave her is egoist the yes, black galaxy yes. and, and, and it just, <laughs> even even at the time okay i get that maybe uh, you know we keep talking we keep trying to put ourselves in the shoes of the theoretical uh first time reader in 1974 reading this issue for the very first time with none of the last 43 years of spoilers yeah and so I guess at the time, if you're following this, there was an ongoing romance on some level between Rick Jones and Luann. Although, frankly, given the cosmic level shenanigans we've been seeing on the Captain Marvel tip, both Just a tip. characters, both characters, much less their running romantic storyline, both characters have kind of gotten pushed to the sidelines. So that said, I'm just wondering, under the circumstances, if that simmering romantic subplot or whatever was at this point alive enough to warrant four whole panels well, like, in an issue? Yeah, I guess they had to do Even something time. with her. Even at the time. And especially given that we now know in retrospect that Luann was not Rick Jones' one true forever love. No, but she was his first support, his first supporting character. Okay. Granted, I don't know if that really still was worth this. But I'd be curious. I have to look out. Like, when was the last time we saw Luann? Like, what was the last time Luann appeared in a Marvel comic? Because you know, you know, like, even the most minor of characters tend to like turn up in weird cameos, like, like decades. Yeah, later. at some point. 
So that that I'll have to look I'll have to look that up and 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 see what what Luann's most recent appearance in a Marvel comic is probably 1975. I was gonna say <laughs> it's Captain Marvel 34. Yeah. Oh. Okay. That. 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 I, I, well. No. I'm, now, are you saying that because you know, or are you are you saying that like as a as a as a I'm yes? being sarcastic, but I will okay. know in about thirty seconds. Oh, okay, cool. Well, then I will leave you to that research. And while I leave you to that research, I will uh, press forward into the next row of... There we go. Luann Savannah. Oh, was that her last name? Yeah, because her uncle was Dr. Savannah. Oh, okay. She appears in Captain Marvel... Yeah, she first appeared in Captain Marvel 22 Mm -hmm. and 23. So we were kind of... When we started doing this with 25, we only missed the first... We only had missed her first three appearances. Okay. Then it's all Captain Marvel... Until 34. Um, what if number 12? Okay. Where what if Rick Jones had become the Hulk? Okay. Uh, Marvel graphic novel number one. Ah, Death of Captain Marvel. And then Silver Surfer Annual number six. When was that? When did that come out? The 80s? 87. 87. All right. Oh, and that's All why. Right. So we did. Because that's, the, that's called, the story's called Legacy. Oh, sorry, no, it's no Annual 93. It was the 87 series. Okay, so it was the '93 and oh, so I told that's you, the one where they're introducing you. all new characters. Uh huh. And do you know who who appeared in that char- in that issue of Silver Surfer? No. Uh, his name was originally Legacy. It later became Captain Marvel. Oh, uh, 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 like the the the, the blue skinned one from later on that Peter David wrote. Yeah, well, no, he wasn't blue skinned. He looked like Captain Marvel, basically. Oh, okay, wasn't there wasn't there a Captain Marvel with like who was like you know like deep blue and starry? Oh, at some point he would. That was his cosmic awareness face. Oh, okay, okay. Same guy. Um, okay, but that was the one that Peter David yes. wrote about in the funny series. Yes, <laughs> when he was bonded with Rick Jones. Right. So right, I'm right. fairly certain she's appeared in it. I have a feeling that's not a new appearance. It's probably a flashback talking about his father, and okay. you would therefore assume to talk about especially this point of his life, which. Mm-hmm. And Rick Jones, which means you at least see Luann in a cameo at the very least. We catch up with Luann Savannah. Yeah, so I would say her behind the music. <laughs> so I'd say her last new appearance was probably in the uh, graphic novel. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. So she was essentially a Starlin only character. Yeah, but anyway, then we cut to the Avengers, reminding us of their existence. Yes, that they actually count, sort of. Uh-huh, uh-huh, and, uh, and they're sort of, like, looking, there's a space fleet coming, I'm, that's pretty much, uh, that is more of Thanos doing, Thanos the Mad God. Yeah, uh, and this is when they fly off to uh, deal with Thanos' uh, invasion army. And do we, where do we see, do we see that fight? Yep, Avengers 125. Oh, okay, okay, uh, cool. Now, and we did that a couple episodes ago, actually. And the other thing that's neat about... So we're doing this out of order. Another yeah, thing slightly. that's neat about this little sequence, I found it cool. Uh, this is 1974. Yeah. So the Black Panther mentioning StarCore, the space station StarCore, prior to this, I had been under the impression that StarCore was pretty much about uh, all... all uh, existed for purposes of the Phoenix origin story that would take place around, what, X-Men... Uh, 100 yeah. uh, in 76, uh, 75, 76. So I was like a little surprised to see StarCore referenced here. I'm like, oh, was that an actual thing? Turns out it was an actual thing because both StarCore, Core, StarCore, StarCore. StarCore and its inventor, Peter Corbeau, had already been around for a couple of years. They were both introduced in uh, Incredible Hulk, I think, 
148 maybe and that was in 1972 so that sounds about right but yeah no he so was definitely like, popping up a lot in the 70s so i think that's pretty awesome though that's just one of those sort of elements that just you know they aren't a focused thing they aren't a a prominent forefront element but they get mentioned and it's just the connective tissue that makes this marvel universe believable as a universe and that was always the sort of thing that i adored and that drew me to comics universes as a concept in general it's just part of the world that's one of the things i like about like the uh Connectivity with a lot of the Mar- with all the Marvel show, you know, at least the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the movies, the shows, and the Netflix mm-hmm. things. It mm-hmm. doesn't always have to be this great big, you know, we're going to spend an hour and a half together crossover, right? But like the fact that in Luke Cage, uh, the guy who's fighting Luke Cage has um, a bunch, and it's actually the plot in the very beginning, of the first episode, a bunch of stolen hammer weapons from Hammer Industries, right? right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Love. Yeah, you know, that. that's all. It's just just enough. Because, you know, they don't always have to be together. Just because you're in the same world doesn't mean you know each other. I mean, there's people out there in war. I have no idea who they are, but they're in the world. People yeah, are having yeah. sex. People are fortunately passing away. People are being born. Sometimes there are things that, we, that connect us. Uh, I was watching a movie, and sometimes there isn't. You know, and it could just be a little thing. Like, I was watching a movie on Netflix last night. I put it on Facebook. I was watching, me and Kim were watching The Secret Life of Pets. Okay. And mine and Dan's old roommate, Sierra, who now lives in California, popped up under comment on there. She's like, I'm watching it right now, too. <laughs> you know, hey, I fought, I was at StarCore last month. Oh, I, I'm, I'm there yeah. today. Oh, cool. Okay. Cool. Yeah. No, it's a thing. It's a thing that exists in this world, and we're all aware of it, and therefore, boom, we, we you know, it, it just gives it, it gives it, it, it's a lovely sense of place and anything that can increase the 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 believability of your sense of place is fun oh. and 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 enhance it and so. real quick and then we'll get off this uh panel one two three four five six seven eight. i think it's nine it's the uh-huh. last panel of the avengers i'm th- with uh, uh-huh. the quinjet flying off and thor and the vision standing there behind it yeah i think that's an exact panel they used in that issue of avengers Oh, that's cool. Maybe like Xerox did or whatever. Or at least Starlin, you know, looked at it and made sure he put the same thing in there. But that was episode 51, by the way, we did it. Oh, okay. I I do have to say, just a completely irrelevant uh, side, tangential side note, uh, going back and reading these uh, 1960s, 1970s appearances of Thor... It is always a little, not sad, I won't even go that far as to say sad, but I do, even though he is using the, the highfalutin language, I do miss the font that later got invented for Thor's speech. Like when Straczynski started doing it, I think? I think that's when it started. I think it was, yeah, yeah. Is that when it started? I think that, man, that it, it, has, been, it has been good since then. Like, it has been un... The succession of writers since Straczynski, you got like what? You got Straczynski, Kieran Gillen, Matt Fraction, Jason Aaron. Like it has just been unbroken good like since Straczynski took it up about seven years Mm -hmm. ago. That's a completely side note. Nothing to do with this. Just saying. That is one run of character slash titles that I have uh, universally enjoyed reading for a great number, for, for a surprising number of years now. Yeah, I haven't. So cool. I've read the new Thor stuff yet. I read the uh, first. I read the God of Thunder series by Jason Aaron, and I've read the uh, mm-hmm. the eight issue series that came out right afterwards when it wasn't him anymore. It was her. Yes, yes, and that was that great. was really oh, good. The, the, Damn, that was good. Yeah, no, and 
and it is and it has stayed good like the the post secret wars reboot i mean that's all it is i mean i think it's called the mighty i think it's technically the mighty thor volume 2 yeah but it, it's pretty much just a continuation of that eight-issue series that you referenced that only got interrupted because of Secret Wars. I really got the sense that a lot of titles were irritated to get interrupted by Secret Wars as, a, as, as an event. And as a result, like when they resumed following Secret Wars, they sort of did so like sort of snarkily like... Anyway, okay. as we were saying, you know, like sort of that kind of Kind of like when Family Guy anyway. came back after being canceled. Uh-huh. The first time I remember they got canceled, they're like, "Well, you know." I did not. I did not see it after Uh-oh. that. I was not a. They uh, made a watcher at that. They time. made a whole little joke with mentioning every single series that Fox put on in between that all got canceled. Oh, wow. Like they mentioned, like thirty shows. Everybody, I got bad news. We've been canceled. Oh no, Peter! How could they do that? Well, unfortunately, Lois, there's just no more room on the schedule. We've just got to accept the fact that Fox has to make room for terrific shows like Dark Angel, Titus. Undeclared, Action, That 80 Show, Wonder Falls, Fast Lane, Andy Richter Controls the Universe, Skin, Girls Club, Cracking Up, The Pits, Firefly, Get Real, Freaky Links, Wanda at Large, Costello, The Lone Gunman, A Minute with Stan Hooper, Normal Ohio, Pasadena, Harsh Realm, Keen Eddie, The Street, American Embassy, Cedric the Entertainer, The Tick, Louie, and Greg the Bunny. Is there no hope? Well, I suppose if all those shows go down the tubes, we might have a shot. Yeah, no, but that's what I'm saying. But anyway, the point is, it has continued super strong. And I, 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 they've, they've so far kept the creative team together, Jason Aaron and artist Russell Dodderman. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. It remains really good. So oh. anyway, that's aside. But anyway, the point, that was all in aid of saying, I just, I'm looking at this panel and sort of, wishing like missing thor's font that's yeah. all because uh, that's the kind of nerd well I it makes am. it fun and it, yes yes it does they didn't have that kind of what's the word i'm looking for uh technology back then probably i mean this was this was the work of dave hunt who was an old school letterer i mean he was more of an anchor than a letterer quite frankly so uh i can't really make too much uh, uh of him working in a traditional manner but anyway neither him nor that really getting off topic moving yeah. on we we cut back to cap's fight with the soulless floor panel metal demon thing yeah and his talk with uh isaac hefner and i love that like the the t- the the swivel the swing of of cap's head in the in the last panel on page 14 here it like yes the speech balloon makes it he's like huh what's this another threat from thanos because he's just noticing isaac for the isaac's holographic figure for the first time but at the same time like i'm looking at this and without looking at the speech balloon i'm reading it as isaac is just sort of standing there kibitzing during the fight and captain marvel is like why are you distracting me Stop talking. Help or go yeah, away. Yeah, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and why am I... All of a sudden, I just had a thought. I'm wondering if he... I mean, because what's the point of doing this with Isaac? Except I have to wonder if he just wanted... If Starlin just wanted a watcher who where would make more... He didn't have to come up with some excuse or quote-unquote excuse of why he's interfering. Maybe. that That, that is a, a... I really can't figure... And the other thing that bothers me about this is... So then you engage with the speech balloon, and he says, Huh, what's this? Another threat from Thanos? And in a way, you can kind of understand why 
Captain Marvel said that, but at the same time, he's supposed to be cosmically aware, and based on everything, I mean, we've been talking for the last couple of episodes and really trying to dissect what that cosmic awareness actually means in terms of Cap as a character and in terms of stuff done in the story, and everything, I think, all the conclusions we've come to is that it is some sort of, you know, anti-conflict, Buddhist, way of peace, warrior of peace kind of a thing. So that sort of hot-headed leaping to, you know, hey, here's something new, it must be a threat, doesn't seem to really jibe with that. So I can't say that I think that that is a particularly good, like, I, I don't necessarily approve. Like, not that I want to be sitting here and passing judgment on every single panel and every single speech balloon that we see, but that sort of reaction doesn't really fit. You sort of see No, what I agree. That? Although... And again, this goes with what I've been saying, especially the whole cosmic aware thing. It's it goes with my whole Superman thing, and it's like Superman senses. Mm-hmm. You know, he can hear things, especially at this point in time. You know, this this Bronze Age Superman, he could hear stuff on Pluto, but yeah. he doesn't hear everything all the time. A, it would probably drop be a little too much information even for him, and B, it doesn't help the plot. Exactly. So his cosmic yeah, awareness, he can hear everything except when he can't. Yeah. So the cosmic awareness, I think, is kind of. I kind of view them as like Superman's senses, because that's basically kind of how they work. It's it's yeah, you know no it's he's whatever, able to whatever the writer needs it yeah to without be. actually being X-ray X-ray vision but that's how like he can tell you know what's going on what this is you know he can kind of you know it's similar to, like Superman scanning you with his X-ray vision reading your DNA and then mm-hmm. going oh okay I know how strong you are so I know how much force I have to use on you to just knock you out and not hurt you mm-hmm. same thing mm-hmm. here and that's how oh. You were talking five feet away from me, and you were tell- telling how you, you were saying how you are actually helping me. But because I wasn't listening to that exact, I wasn't paying attention for those five seconds. I'm going to fight you because I think you're a villain. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> now, but the, what is good about this? To, what is good about this is Isaac's speech balloon because a it's upper lower, mm-hmm. and that is fantastic and very unusual and therefore noteworthy for this specific time yeah. in uh, in comics. And also, like he says, commencing report, Warrior Marvel observed. And it's like, yes, obviously, he's supposed to be a computer, so he's going to talk like a computer. That said, that is still the kind of very deliberate character voice that pretty soon writers like, say, Chris Claremont would make that... Uh, so, uh, much more common uh, in comics, but this is remember this is coming out before Claremont became Claremont on the X Men and like set that standard of character writing and that standard of dialogue individuality. So I think for this period of time, I really think that this would have been a noteworthy instance of a writer giving a character a really unusual voice like this is in a way this is a forerunner remember when um this would have been god almost 10 year 10 years later when uh when claremont introduced warlock. warlock to the new mutants that's what i was thinking of and you know he had that really unusual way of speaking that came from the fact that he was a techno organic being this is sort of a precursor like a forerunner of that you know nine or ten years earlier so again, I think that's noteworthy. Yeah, no, no, it definitely felt like something like a proto warlock type thing, except he's a little different because he's not alive and not sentient. So he's just kind of doing his, uh, like you said, he's speaking like the computer. 
Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. And it's still a great design. I still love just looking at Isaac with the with the starry robe and the Art Deco head. Good stuff. It's like, yeah, Isaac, you might just be a computer, but you still got some style, man. And so now, Mr. Hot-Headed, what are, you, are you a threat? Do I have to punch you? The next panel, the first panel on page 15, see, Captain Marvel says, you are wrong to call me a warrior. It's like, well, make up your damn mind, Marvel. Come on. And he gets into very semantics about the term warrior. I know. A warrior is ordered to fight. I'm doing it because I choose to. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I meant to do that. It's just funny to me that he says that, and I don't think this was intentional, but it is funny to me that he says, you're wrong to call me a warrior. Like, literally, as he's punching... Demons. Yeah. You know? But that said, oh my god, these next three panels, this is Starlin at his artistic finest. Because he could have made that two panels, from Captain Marvel's face to the sort of washed out cosmically, not washed out, but spaced out cosmically awareness mask, if you will. Um, and, And that would have been good enough that would have been a fine effect but he chooses to make it three panels and by having that middle panel where it's darkening yeah. th- it makes it a lighting effect that is a hugely admirably cinematic artistic choice to be making and i give him full thumbs up for that yeah cuz not the shading doesn't just start, isn't just on the face it's the whole background right exactly because everything goes exactly. black then that whole background goes away yeah. and it's all just his fa- cosmic face and his hair. Yeah. It doesn't even matter what he's saying. The fact that the fact that that's a sort of a visual like that's comic books at its best uh is 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 you know using just the art to forward a, 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 an idea. And so good. So good. Yeah. Now that last panel it looks a bit awkward the way he's fighting everything. But I have to, Yeah, I know. That is a weird thing. But I have to wonder, could someone like Jackie Chan or Jet Li do something like that where like it would be like a two second, not even triple hit, and you're just like, Holy crap, that was amazing. Right. And this right. is just kind of like that little freeze frame of that where it's like you realize like they're kind of on one foot only as it is here. You know, one foot Possibly. kicking the other two other hands punching. Possibly, I choose to read this not as a photograph. Like, I don't think it's meant to be uh, as though Starlin took a photo of a single instant in time. Because I don't think under any physical laws that I'm aware of, he would have been able to, on one foot, in that bodily position, land three blows simultaneously so i choose to read this panel as sort of a sequence uh, artistic license a sequence in one here he is it is whap thok chunk they are happening sequentially rapidly oh but sequentially and being represented simultaneously for artistic purposes that's how i choose to read this panel because i think if i choose to look at it as as though it were a a photograph of a single instance that would be just ridiculous oh kind of like uh follow the word balloons he is that first one with the, you know you kind of follow along whack whap then you have those first two word exactly. balloons then you got the exactly. thock the third word balloon the trunk and then and then the last two mm-hmm. on the bottom right exactly right, okay that could work too that definitely works. You like cheap comic books, right? 
Well, I'm Professor Allen, and I talk about cheap comic books on the Quarterbin Podcast. In every episode, I'll dissect a single comic from my collection, as long as I paid no more than 25 cents for the issue. Forget about $4 new comics that you can read in four minutes, or crossover events that can cost 100 bucks to collect. Join me in the Quarterbin, where even bad comics are a bargain, and good ones are a steal. The Quarterbin Podcast is part of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. Visit us at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or search Relatively Geeky or Quarterbin Podcast in iTunes. I guarantee it'll be worth every penny. So it is fun to, to see, you know, that is, again, that's a, not to go all Scott McCloud on you here, but that is kind of a, the, the comics medium as it is in its fullest flower, like as a comics medium. So that is no, cool. definitely um, page 16 is a lot of Isaac E. Goodness. And <laughs> this works best. I, I have to go back and see if I can find any scans of the original issue as it was printed back in 1974, but I can't imagine that all this lovely shading and coloring on Isaac's Oh, the metallic shine. Panels 2 and yeah. 7. Yeah, in panels 2 and 7 where, where, where at least in the remastered digital version that you would see on, that you see on uh, Marvel Unlimited, uh, I can't imagine uh, that, that sort of lovely shading and, sh- and, and fine detail in coloring uh, would have reproduced as nicely in the original printing. So I'd have to go back and check. I that, would but, be surprised uh, if it would look half as good. Right. So th- this right here is, wow, I'm so happy I'm living in an age where not just it's possible to reproduce these comics digitally, but also that, that Marvel has decided to go back and neaten up and re like I don't know I don't know maybe maybe all they needed to do was was transfer and run some filters or whatever on 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 original separations I don't know what the process actually would have been but the fact that they're taking the time and effort to go back and make these pages look as crisp and clean as this before presenting them digitally which obviously is like you say it like that and it's like well of course they're going to do that I don't want to I don't want to just take it for granted the fact that they are not just scanning the pages from their warehouse but instead making it look this good I want to give them props Oh though it does bring up a question then who is the colorist yeah. of this issue because it says Jim um, Starlin but Mm-hmm. And if you bought the issue, yeah, so I would see it's Jim. Well, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It is Jim. It's, it's Jim Starlin according to credits. And if you went and bought out, bought a back right. issue of Captain Marvel 32, it would be Jim Starlin. Is he right. still technically the colorist of the one we're reading? This digital version from Marvel Unlimited. Did he have anything to do with that? Like, I mean, are they just fixing colors, or because there's now things that are available that weren't then? Are these going to be completely different? Like, is there somebody else who's actually sense. coloring this version? No, nah, here's here's what okay. I would liken it to uh, uh, the the creation of a, of a of an album of a musical album, or any musical track. I shouldn't just say album because I'm because I'm old. I tend to think in albums is the basic unit of music consumption, but I realize I'm probably in the minority well, in that. It's like the creation. I think they still come out as albums. I mean, music. albums still come out on iTunes. No, no, that's they're that's still called true, that. But mainstream music, I think, today is consumed 
track by track, whereas me, I still think of, well, I'm going to listen to an album. I don't... I get it, anyway, yeah, though. Neither here nor there. But to talk about the coloring. So I think in 1974, you you got to, you know, pencil and ink stuff, mm-hmm. right? And if I recall, then the artist would, the, the, the colorist would use a technologically prescribed selection of inks to color the black and white ink drawing. And then there would be a technical process of, you know, color separation and ink printing. That part of the technological process would create the sort of muddiness or uh, sloppiness, you know, where where things are not exactly lined up accurately or whatever. Um, that physical process of color separation and ink printing press ink printing. Um, and what I get the sense is what 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 these digital remasters of modern day digital remasters of comics are doing are saying if that physical part of the process was removed and the original color choices, ink color choices of the colorist, in this case Jim Stalin, were reproduced uh, ideally as intended by the choices of the colorist before the physical separation and printing processes created the uh, uh, issues created the problems. Then that is what this would have looked like, and it's a little bit like a like music. In music, you know, you have a you have the the, the musicians making the music, mm-hmm. right? And then you have a producer and an engineer and a mixer, and that's the physical process of reproduction. And Lord knows, back in the eighties, when 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 CD technology. When CD technology was first coming out and a lot of older albums were getting issued on CD for the first time, I remember reading a book about uh, CD. Uh, at that time, there were so, f- so few CDs that you could actually find a book saying, you know, here is a review of all the CDs oh that, my God. Uh, that you could go into a store and buy and, you know, and sort of comments on their quality or whatever. Here's all the ones that are made, ever. Um, like pretty much because this would have been like probably 89 or 90 something like that and anyway the point is and I remember reading at the time that one of my lifelong favorite uh, uh, rock albums uh, Jethro Tull's Aqualung was notoriously at that time considered the absolute worst CD issue they say it's 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 unlist the CD transfer whatever is unlistening unlistening bad Mm -hmm. right so, and I liken that to the separation and printing process. So, I think what we're seeing here is a lot like a remaster. So, now you put out like a new modern version of Aqualung on CD that more faithfully and, and enjoyably reproduces the original album. So, was any music added? Are, are any additional musicians need to be credited on here? No, this is all as recorded in 1971 by the five musicians in Jethro Tull. It's just that the physical reproduction process, it has given you a better view of that original work. So that's, I think, akin to what we're Possibly. seeing here. That would, be my, that would be my interpretation of what we're looking at here in the digital reproduction. I could see that. Although, like I said, I, I mean, I think it would depend on looking at the original issue and seeing is it just fixed or is it completely different mm-hmm. I don't think any. I don't think any new color choices were made. But if it is, if any new color choices were made, yeah, then I would be curious to know. Now, 
like for instance, I wonder if if they had done that, would they make the credit? Because I noticed when I was recently getting to reread the quote unquote remastered and fully recolored uh, edition of the Sandman. Okay. Um, and oh god, is the new edition so good? Nothing against nothing against the original, which I adored when I read it, but the new recolored remastered edition that is the one that's reproduced in the Absolute Sandman hardcovers. Uh, is is so good. They actually changed the credit. When you read each issue, the original um, uh, uh, color, I think, was uh, Todd Klein. And the new ones, they actually list Vozo. Joey Vozo, maybe? Or Jim... Or or Rich Vozo? Vozo the Clown? I can't remember the name. What's that? Yeah, something like that. (laughs) V-O-Z-Z. Oh, Vozo. I can't remember the... (laughs) Uh, I can't remember the the, the first name. But he's actually given the colorist credit on the new issues. So I'm wondering if if any color alteration choices were made here. I'm wondering if Marvel would have felt obligated, either morally or legally, to include a new colorist credit in there. I know they do that sometimes in the uh, Marvel Masterworks. I know that they list... Uh, some some new colorist as having participated in the reproduction. Yeah, I also wonder if it has anything to do with how much of it. Like, if you're patching up, like, mm-hmm. okay, there's one panel we have to redo. You know, like, is there, is there a percentage? Yeah. Like, okay, you know what? For It's still under 50% of the, 50% of the issue is still as it was. It's just fixed, mm-hmm. but it's the mm-hmm. same one, so no one gets credited. Oh, you actually colored, technically you colored 70% of this version now, so you're credited on here. Mm-hmm. As a colorist, because you mm-hmm. did more than I don't know, I would I would actually be interested in talking to like a colorist and finding out how that works, especially with this whole new digital yeah, thing no, now that's... reprinting all these old comics digitally and like that's the thing that because the writing doesn't get changed, the art doesn't get changed, it's the coloring right. that's really the only thing, and I don't, I don't think that they change any of the letters, so it's really only the coloring that would ever get changed. Right, so I'm just wondering if they are just uh, sort of. You know, gussying up and brightening and clarifying the original prints, as it were, or if there is something else. That's a very interesting question and something that we'd have to look into. But not today. We have not the time today. So moving, uh, moving right along. This is a. Uh, uh, I love. Like this is again. This is a sort of a heightened reality in sort of the same way that that when you watch a musical, you you have to allow for. Or, or an opera is where I learned this concept, where you have to, like, when someone breaks into song for five minutes in the middle of an opera or a musical, you have to sort of accept this is not something that is happening in reality. This is a sort of a metaphorical representation of an emotional state. So the Jets and the it. Sharks really weren't singing? <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. But that's what I'm sort of thinking here. It's like the fact that, the fact that Captain Marvel is having this in-depth conversation with Isaac while he's having a, a life-or-death fight with these demons. I, it, it's Obviously, it is a self-contained narrative that is working on its own terms, but at the same time, it's kind of a... Uh, you kind of have to sort of take a step back and accept it as a sort of heightened reality sort of situation where you sort of just have to roll with the 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 rules of what's going yeah, on. Yeah, although I can also see this as like Isaac, because Isaac's not doing anything. So Isaac has no reason not to talk, like, <laughs> to be able to have a whole conversation. So I can see like as Isaac talking, and then you have like five minutes of Cap fighting, and his his whole sentence, like each panel, takes like two minutes for him to say. Like the worldwide mm-hmm. oof, oof, ah, computer that ru- ah, pff, <laughs> yeah. runs Titan. This is no time. Ow! Get him for joking. 
I, the, I could see that, but again, that requires the... You're absolutely correct. But again, that requires the act of mental participation of the reader to sort of translate it, as it were, into well, that. Well, uh, going back to Scott McCloud, don't we do that all the time in between the panels anyway? Absolutely, and that's just what we were saying <laughs> on the last page with the big fight panel. Obviously, there's... But the fact that he is confident enough, and this goes back to something we were saying earlier in the episode about the control that... Star, like, not just the deliberate... The boldness of the choices that Starlin, we believe, is making deliberately, but also the control he has over those uh, thematic and narrative elements that he is so boldly choosing to employ in this uh in in the service of this story he's telling um again that speaks to that the fact that starlin is confident enough in his storytelling tools to say okay i trust the reader to do that translation so i am then going to confidently and comfortably uh choose to use this mode of telling this story to get my point across oh See yeah what i'm saying it's like so I, I want to say that goes back to that is something admirable that Starlin is doing deliberately f- feeling confident enough to, to choose to well, do that well the nice thing is it works either way not, it's, does, it's not like the story outcome has changed it's not like that mm-hmm. whole debate mm-hmm. that came out a few years ago about uh, the killing joke Did was he, was he supposed to kill the joker at the end or not you know, right, where that right, could right. potentially change the entire thing here it uh-huh. doesn't matter which way you look at it. It still works. It still tells the story. Yeah. It still does the point. Across. It's like it still does what it's supposed to do. You could look at it either right, way you right. want to, and that's fine because it doesn't affect anything. But it, but as podcasters, we are here to pull it apart. Oh, and yeah. Look that's at the, the fun part. Look at the gears. And I'm just admiring admiring the gears and admiring the the boldness of the the watchmaker well the way you're doing it i i do like that one because that does make that is very like you said it's impressive on like a technical level and a creative Mm -hmm. level Mm -hmm. the other way it's just amusing to imagine as like an as like a film sequence yes yes no absolutely you're 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 correct it should would if someone ever like like imagine if this had been chosen to be a power records oh god uh, a deal (laughs) Um, you know, and you've got a little bit of that weird 70s music going in the background, and you've got the, the, the sound effects and dialogue choices. I would have found that, oh, that would have been, like, a lot of fun to listen to. This particular page in, in, in particular would have been a lot of fun to listen to. Exactly. But, yeah, other than, other than that, it's uh, just, just to look at the, this, this page presenting a sequence of events, I just, I love it. Now, just to take it back to the straight-up narrative level, I love this because, you know, he's fighting, he's having this weird conversation with Isaac, and then he says, then I've got a rather relevant question. How do I defeat these bloodthirsty creatures? And just this great single panel of Isaac's face in close-up, and you can just, you can feel the beat that, that, that Starlin takes before Isaac's answer. Like, again, if this was dramatized, there would be a, a pause. And it's like, how do I defeat these bloodthirsty creatures? You cannot. That's so good because because then you get into here is a specific, unique facet of Captain Marvel's situation and existence that is the key to resolving this situation. They will attack as long as I'm existing, but I have a way of not existing, but not dying. Exactly. How cool is that? Well done. Well done. That's how you use a superhero 
in a cosmically aware oh, way. Two more things about this page. One, I agree with yeah. what you said about that pause, that beat between Captain Marvel's question and you cannot. You know if mm-hmm. that issue came out now, there'd be a panel in between with just the Isaac face. And no words. Oh, absolutely. And then the possibly a whole row of yeah. <laughs> Possibly depending on depending on who was writing it. First of all, if it was like Bendis or someone like that, nothing against him. Everyone, everyone who listens to this knows at this point that, that, that I am an unabashed Brian Bendis fanboy, and he is my favorite writer working in comics these days. Um, but that said, if this was Bendis, the events of this 18-page issue would take three issues today, the way he was writing. And he would put in an entire panel of beats, be, uh, an entire line, a row of panels as dialogue beats before Isaac Hansen. Oh, you no, no, I'm, I'm not even going, I, I think you're too small, no. The first <laughs> it would be this page you would just have the splash page of him fighting and then the entire issue of just uh-huh. Isaac's face and then the last page, yes. all splash pages, yes. last page you cannot Right <laughs> Exactly, so anyway so, 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 but we do get that cool sort of trick ending yeah. as it were, and uh, he katangs the the nega braces. Yeah. Almost uh, right. I almost forgot though. The other thing I wanted to say real quick. I just yeah. I have no idea if this is just me staring at the page too long, or if this is something. Mm-hmm. But if you notice, all the pages that have background are the ones that actually have Captain Marvel and Isaac in it. Any page that any panel that just has one of them, it's just a solid color. Mm-hmm. No, that's I mean true. I wonder if that, that means another. anything or. Since he was pulling back the, ca- if it's just like a kind of like a technical, like I'm pulling the camera back enough to show both of them, so I'll put the background. This one's kind of concentrating on them. I don't have to waste time with a background. I could see that actually being a a very much deliberate sort of evocation of the sort of thing we were just talking about, which is that the, it's not we're not meant to perceive this necessarily as real time. It's like we get this whole page of dialogue and progression, narrative progression, but maybe the fact that only three of the panels, the three you reference, have fully rendered backgrounds is, is meant to indicate that there, this all takes place over the span of only three real instances. Oh, know okay. What I'm saying? That could work. So that, that, that could be deliberate. I mean, at this point, I'm willing to give... Starlin has earned the assumption of that level of deliber- deliberation. So, uh, definitely... Uh, and you know, if we talk to him about this, um, he'd look at us and go, what? <laughs> maybe. maybe. Uh, that is entirely possible. It is entirely possible we are also reading too much into it, but that's fine. That's uh, reading too much into things. That's it, our it also could just be something that he's like, I did that? Oh, crap. I didn't realize I did that. That's cool. Because <laughs> you hear that a lot of times from writers and stuff. It's like creators, it's like, Oh, I guess I did do that. I didn't realize it. I totally meant to do that. Yes, sir. So sadly, this is this is for me the high point of the issue because I'm you know all these all these props, all these kudos, all these cool things, and so of course. But then Captain Marvel katangs the nega bands, and we are once again uh, having to look at the 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 schmuck I can't. (laughs) I swear, at this point in Marvel history, I am such a Rick Jones anti fan. Yeah, you don't like him. I just, I don't, I don't. I find him, I find him a, I suppose I was, 
what bothers me is not just that I find him so irritating just on a surface level. I also find it irritating that I get the sense from the way he's presented that I'm supposed to identify with him. So on top of the fact that I'm irritated by him, I'm also sort of find myself resenting that I'm supposed to identify with him and I don't. Yeah. It just creates a it creates a hurdle to my my absorption of the but that's just me. You're everyone out there. You're you're supposed to identify with the member. This like nineteen year old. Yeah, I mean, had a little not not as much trouble with him, but that's because I came having read like not just the Peter David, well, especially the Peter David stuff, but yeah, the Peter David Captain Marvel with the older Rick Jones, but also the Peter David Mm -hmm. run of Hulk with Rick Jones. So I have an attachment to the later version of him. So this is just like the younger version of him. I can, you know, sometimes you can forgive the younger, like, oh yeah, he's a dumb kid, but I know he gets better. No, me, me too. I've I haven't read the Peter David Captain Marvel stuff yet, except for I think one issue because it tied into something else that I was reading at the time. But um, I have read a, a considerable portion of the Peter David Hulk, and I have absolutely zero problem with that iteration of rick jones but trying to take captain marvel 32 here that we're reading on its own terms i'm still just early 70s rick jones bugs me well yeah his head's still firmly up his ass so that's all i got to say yeah so he so he comes back and he's all rick jones i bark too soon computer i'm gonna call you zach dig and, like, I love, I love Isaac's response because, yes, I'm irritated by Rick Jones. So he goes, computer, I'm going to call you Zach, dig. And you can almost hear, hear uh, Isaac's I understand responses like, yes, I will understand, not dig, you moron. And you also said his word balloons here to Rick are different colors than they were before. Yes, yes. And again, I would have to go back and compare to the original printing to see, is that something that was done for our digital reproduction or was that an original, was that an original intent yeah. sort of thing? But so Isaac teleports him back to Earth and he has the, uh, he still has the cube, which he's palming, mm-hmm. as we love to, mm-hmm. <laughs> he loves mm-hmm. to say five times in this issue. I'm going to palm this okay. cube. Yeah, I know, which, which we have commented before on the weird... Uh, 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 physics of palming the cosmic cube. And the apparently size-changing uh, abilities of the cube. Because mm-hmm. it's big enough in your hand, and all of a sudden now Rick can make a fist and hide it in there. Yeah, exactly. So, whatever. Although this is an in... Although, although, although the tactic that Rick here decides to employ, which is sort of, you know, getting, getting Thanos irritated, like, poke at his ego and get him irritated, um... It is kind of a cool, like, I hate to say anything cool about Rick Jones, but it is kind of an interesting, like, his his weakness is his ego. That is a good choice, then, to make. And I love that Captain Marvel, you know, the, the Captain Marvel that's sort of watching from the negative zone and speaking to Rick in his head, like, doesn't pick up on it immediately. Like, that's... He's like, don't get angry at him, and he's like, no, 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 I'm gonna get him. Ang- I'm gonna get. I can't get angry at him. Blah blah blah. And 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 then Thanos just gets so pissed, and that is fun yeah. to watch. And th- you just see Thanos go like, shut up, shut up, uh-huh. shut up. And plus, you get those. I love those last four panels on the next to the last page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the second one especially. The sort of he's shouting at him, and it's like these force lines coming out of his gaping mouth and his angry face, so like 
like in such muted colors in the background and it's just this sort of you inconsequential dust mode and then you have rick jones as like his uh eyeball yeah yeah just sort of like it's all he can say i like that it's like it, it, it's work like sort of that indicates to me it's working rick is getting his goat and rick is all he can see he's so bothered by this assault on his manliness that it's sort of boom ha all i can think of all i can see now i am god i am all of the universe but again as we've discussed before this is thanos's problem his fatal flaw is although he is god he is the universe he's still so petty that he can be consumed by this assault on his ego by an earth team well i I was actually i was just thinking about it i think part of the reason is because of his reason for this he his love for death so it's his love for death so he has to still be himself he can't just like i'm going to be one with the universe and be god and basically spread myself and not be so much this singular being but the whole point of doing mm-hmm. it is because the singular being is in love. So he right. still has to be right. himself so, to be... In other words, instead of going above where he, where he's supposed to be, to be God with a big G, he's kind of becoming mm-hmm. just another one of those abstract entities. Like chaos and exactly. order or eternity or whatever they are, which they still are those things, but they have like a personality and they have a... They can get pissed off and angry and, you know, make mistakes as opposed to being what he should be becoming, which is like just this whole greater thing, consciousness spread among the universe that is above all that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, but, and, and just, uh, no, you're absolutely, you're absolutely correct. Um, and, and that's at the heart of what kept, makes this such a neat, interesting story. And so we move on to the last page, and um, I'll get into some of the cool artistic choices I like here, but just taking this last page as a whole, like, the way it works, the way Rick's ploy works, he gets Thanos' goat, and Thanos, you know, buys into the whole, you know, hey, I bet my dad could beat your dad kind of taunting, and says, fine, bring Captain Marvel back, and I will demolish him, and which is kind of what both the characters in the story want. They want an excuse to get Captain Marvel back in here now that he's free of the fight against the, the demons on Titan um, and he's uh, get him back into the arena so he can fight Thanos one-on-one, but also that's what the writers and the readers wanted. They just wanted to get to the point where we set up the final one-on-one showdown. I think that's actually, all things considered, that's pretty well done and so we get to this cliffhanger and 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 I think okay, I'm behind this story at this point. Yeah, I'm well, into it. I want to see that. It makes sense that. also because if I mean everyone except for Drax, everyone else is out of the picture. Everyone mm-hmm. who was on Titan mm-hmm. with him has been injured or is unconscious. Right. Uh, Drax is a far, but Drax still has to fly from Titan because he's not smart enough to go to Isaac and go, "Hey, teleport me to Earth." So he's right, just going right, to fly right, straight right, ahead. Right. The Avengers uh-huh. are involved, but the Avengers, as far as we know from reading this issue, are in the middle of a space battle so they are busy so the only one right now against Thanos it's now just Rick Jones and then Captain Marvel Uh like everyone else is gone everything else like oh this whole big epic saga is like now pushed everyone aside and now it's back it's just our two principal characters so and the last the last uh, particular observation I'll make on this last page here is panels two and three artistically oh I love three especially it looks like one of those uh, like those stone idols like where where the mouth is like a furnace 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It looks very natural. You have fire. The the face looks like wood. And then you've got the sort of metal of the eyebrows of the helmet or whatever. It's It, it, it looks natural. It's like a tiki god sort of thing. And, like, that's a different sort of god, but it's still godly, angry, you know, destructive god sort of sort of image and i i really think that's fantastic and the panel before it where where thanos like just blows up preposterous and you've got these cascading red bubbles of thanos's face sort of force projecting into rick and knocking him off his feet uh, that's a kind of a, again, I have to take it as a sort of artistic license, as a sort of metaphorical representation of whatever the physical act of that particular moment was, but it is just as an artistic construct. It, with the energy crackling around the, the sequence of red circles, is really just, that is, f- it's just fun to look at. It's just fun to yeah. look at. No, I agree. And I love that last panel that he, I mean, he is huge there. Like in comparison to he Rick. He is huge. He is jacked. He is on, he is on fire. He is crackling with energy. I mean, he looks like a monster. Love it. Yeah. And yeah. pissed. Yeah. So like, and, and, and really pissed off. And you just really think like he could, he could destroy Rick with one blow. And as far as cliffhangers go, it's like, I'm not leaving it there. I'm not reading that and saying, okay, I'm happy. I don't need to buy next month's issue. No, I'm thinking, four weeks, I need to buy the next what, issue. What happened? So what that, the hell's going on? Cool, 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 cool. So overall, overall, um, uh, Cap- the Captain Marvel run, <clears throat> Starlin's run on Captain Marvel at this point, is, is just at, a, at its absolute peak of effectiveness, in my opinion. And probably considered that way because there's really only two more issues of it. That's also very true, and unless I miss my guess, that was the last uh, issue that Starlin fully wrote, as well as yeah. drew. Yeah, that's it. He's done. Because Engelhart comes in on the next on the next issue as the scripter, although uh, Starlin is still credited as the plotter. Yeah, but I mean, as far as him doing the whole series, well, I guess you could say three right, issues technically, because if you want to count the the graphic novel. Right, exactly, exactly. But you know, it's okay because he, you know he he still has his later run on uh, Warlock. Yeah, coming uh, up to uh, to to come to come. But uh, but yeah, so very cool, very cool. But uh, glad we did this issue. Um, I'm I'm enjoying this and I'm enjoying yes. reading it. I'm looking forward to the next one. Uh, me too. Me too. Which uh, hopefully will come before twenty. I should hopefully. Uh, we have a. Uh, we- we need to work on our uh, on our on our scheduling and life podcasting balance here. But we'll work we can out. do that. We All right. Well, that. we'll see you then. Yes. yes. I'd like to thank everybody who helped share the last episode on social media. By the way, if you forget, the last episode was the Tampa Bay Comic Con 2017 mini episode featuring the interview with artist Asia Martinez. And on Twitter, that episode was retweeted by Alligator Fuckhouse, Xenozoic Xenophiles, Joe Crawford, Trucker Talk and Mark James. And it was also liked by, well, the same people. Alligator Fuckhouse, Xenosoic Xenophiles, Joe Crawford, Trucker Talk, and Mark James. We also received a message on there from Longbox Review saying that he really enjoyed the episode and thanks for introducing him to Miss Martinez, a fellow Idahoan. Well, you're welcome. We're glad we could bring her to your attention. Speaking of Miss Martinez, I'd emailed her when the episode was put out, just letting her know it was there. And she emailed back. She said, sorry for the delay, but she was out of town for a bit. Taz shared it herself on social media, which I appreciate. Thank you, Asia. And also she said, 
I made her sound cool. Thank you. And I have to say, though, no, you did that yourself. I just recorded it. <laughs> but thank you for the compliment. That episode also on Facebook was liked by Joe Celery. And now I want to continue what I've been doing the last several episodes. And on our Tumblr page, resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com, I want to thank a few more of the people who have been following us on there. So thank you to Exploring Marvel Unlimited, Go Bananas at the Club, M-D-G-F-C, Eric Robert Smith Posts, and Triant2, I don't know how to pronounce that, C-Y-R-O-T-N-T-2. Again, thank you to everybody for liking and retweeting our different pages and posts. To everyone else who hasn't done yet yet, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know. What did you think of that last episode, the interview with Asia? What did you think of this episode covering this issue of Captain Marvel? Let us know your thoughts. Send us an email, resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com. You'll, of course, also go to our Tumblr page, as I mentioned before. Make a comment on our Facebook page. Just look up either Adam Warlock or Thanos in the searchy box in Facebook, and it pops up. And, of course, you can always send us a message on Twitter, at AdamThanosPod. Finally, don't forget, if you enjoy the show, we would love it if you leave us a review on iTunes. The way iTunes algorithms work, the more reviews you get, the higher profile your podcast becomes, and easier it is for other people to find it, and we would love that. Besides iTunes, of course, this show can be found on Podbean, and this show can now be found on Stitcher. In case you don't know what Stitcher is, Stitcher is Radio On Demand, a free app that lets you listen to all your favorite shows, plus discovered from 20,000 others. Available on iOS, Android, Nook, and iPad. Don't have Stitcher? Download it free today at Stitcher.com or in the App Store. Superman. Captain Marvel. Batman. It is 1985. Robin of Earth 2. Sergeant Rock. The Legion of Superheroes. This is the most eagerly awaited comic book event in 50 years. Tommy Tomorrow. Jonah Hex. Commandy. It will one day be called the greatest comic book event of all time. Swamp Thing. Wonder Woman. The New Teen Titans. The Haunted Tank. Infinity Incorporated. Worlds will live. Green Arrow. Worlds will die. Supergirl. The Flash. And that is only the beginning. The Justice League of America. The All-Star Squadron. The Huntress. Arion. The Metal Man. Firestorm. The Nuclear Man. The Outsiders. Green Lantern. The Blue Beetle. The Crime Syndicate. Warlord. The Guardians of the Universe. Tales of the Justice Society of America proudly presents... And many, many more. Crisis on Infinite Earths. The DC Universe will never be the same. Coming January only at twotruefreaks.com. Thank you for joining us on this episode. If you're looking for more podcasting from me, go check out my other show, Pop Culture Palace Presents. Our most recent episode, which is episode three, is an interview I did at the Tampa Bay Comic-Con this year with the creator and writer of the indie comic Solar Flare, James Hake. And then be back here in about two weeks. And if all goes well and according to plan, 
I will have Joe back to cover Deadpool vs. Thanos number three. We'll see you then. Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, is a fan-made production, and no copyright infringement is intended or happening or even understood. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peacelovproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page. Did you see Guardians of the Galaxy 2? We finally went on Sunday. And did you like the uh, credits sequence that is yes. relevant to our podcast? Yes. Did, when, when she said, I will name him Adam, did you like squee? Pretty much. I was very <laughs> excited. I was like, awesome. Woo-hoo! And we've uh-huh. decided there is nothing in the world cuter than Baby Groot. Oh, God. He's, well, he's a mix adolescent- of a toddler and a puppy. Yes, yes, he is, and and he's and when he gets angry and starts like hurting people, that's punching awesome. Drax. Punching Drax. No, the best oh, part was a... the wave at the beginning to Gamora. Yes, yes, <laughs> oh, it was a great movie. It, it gave me everything I wanted, and Drax was better than he was in the first one. Ego had the face on this planet. Was yes, that... yes, that was fantastic too, and uh, yeah, no, it was it was it was a great film, and I uh, I really thoroughly. Uh, enjoyed it, and uh, but then the, like I just noticed that at the end when it was like, you know, I will name him Adam, and I'm like, oh boy, here we go, mm-hmm. here we go.